Hello and welcome to Reptory Screenings, episode 60. I'm your host, M, and with me are my regular co-host, Jackson. Movies, movies, movies! And Destiny. Movies! That's it, now more than ever. <laughs> <laughs> and Jackson, you gotta say a thing and then we can go home. It's <laughs> <laughs> just like, goodbye! <laughs> Brief discussion uh, we're on here. here. It's, it's, I was gonna say, it's our first movie of the year, but that's not actually true. We recorded on the first, I forgot about that. So, we're doing it. How's everybody doing? How's movies treating you in 2022? So far, uh, so good. Um, so far, they mostly seem to be from the early 2000s and about uh, teaching the emperor uh, what it means to be a good king. Yeah, not that one yet. Well, not that one yet. <laughs> Who's watched a movie? Jackson, what have you watched in the last two weeks? Uh, the other one that's about that. <laughs> Nothing. What's <laughs> the last oh. samurai? <laughs> Oh, right, yeah. That's you what can I was listen to, <laughs> yeah. You can listen to Blockbusters if you go to patreon.com slash mapping. Give us $5 a month. You should do that. Blockbusters is really good. This month in particular, great episode. Great Loved episode. It. You, will, you will be beside yourself with glee listening to that, I'm pretty sure. So, we were. <laughs> um, I guess, since you're a lost cause, Destiny. I have a couple. Well, hit me. Uh, I watched the 1990 Witt Stillman film Metropolitan. Which I don't know what to make of. Like, it was kind of funny, but a lot of the jokes were like, I feel like I don't get enough about debutante culture or like Ivy League people to really get the humor. And I can't tell if he's skewering these people or if he's like saying they're interesting. I don't know. But somebody who has the inside scoop on Whit Stillman, just let me know. Should I watch more of his movies, try to get his humor? Because I, I don't know. This baffled me. Good performance. I, I, I checked. I have not seen a single Whit Stillman movie. I've been meaning to see this one for a long time, and it popped up on Criterion, and I want to see Last Days of Disco really bad because I'm into Chloe's 70. Um, but yeah, no, it was an interesting movie. I just, like, I... I just don't know like anything about that culture and it was it was just a an aspect of white culture that is a mystery to me. <laughs> um and then we watched Shadow of a Doubt. Did we talk about that? No, this was this is uh on my list since we recorded. So. Okay, so Alfred Hitchcock black and white movie about this girl's favorite uncle, uh Charlie. She's also named Charlie and He's a bad man and she's going to uncover his secret. Um, not as good as I remember it being. I, yeah, this is a movie where, like, I think the first half where it's about, like, uh, my favorite uncle came in. Is he as bad as these police who keep trying to, like, talk to me say he is? Yeah, who can say? He he seems kind of shady, but there's a lot of reasons people might not want the cops to know their business. Uh, but then it turns into a fucking cartoon where he tries to, like tom and jerry murder her over and over again and it's much worse than because it's not played as comedy it's played deathly seriously if this movie like turned into a farce it'd be much better um this is my hitchcock like <laughs> planting my flag hitchcock's much better when he's doing comedy than when he's doing drama and please do less of the the drama uh, I yeah this movie is like i ended up being kind of disappointing because i thought the first half was like really good and then i just watched it all fall apart i just want to say that like, hitchcock has made a lot of movies so i've heard you react to a lot of hitchcock movies over the time i could have wrote word for word your reaction to this movie before even knowing what it was about and uh knowing that you'd seen it like this is just this is just your response to hitchcock <laughs> yeah this favorite. is just my hitchcock stance yes. <laughs> weirdly it's writing about every hitchcock movie that got me to stop writing about movies <laughs> yeah. in in 2013 
Oh, you're telling me that it's got like a fun premise, but then like it becomes nonsense, but he doesn't know it's nonsense. Yes. Yep. Classic Hitchcock. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the stuff with the family in that movie is my favorite stuff in that movie. The, it, it would be a great fa- family comedy. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Weirdly. If it weren't about murder, it'd be really charming. Um, I also watched the latest Wes Anderson film, The French Dis- Dispatch. Uh, which I liked immensely. Uh, this is like sort of an anthology film about this European magazine uh, that Bill Murray runs. And then when he dies, he's the editor um, in chief. When he dies, they do their last issue. So they profile like three different stories from this magazine. And it's just really cool. There's a lot of moving pieces. Um visually there's just a lot going on like i feel like i need to rewatch it because there's stuff i've missed because there's just so many like tricks in this movie visually um but it's also just a really cool story like there's a jeffrey wright character that's pretty much just james baldwin uh getting interviewed by Liev shriver who's pretty much just dick cavett and i think that was my favorite segment telling this story about this chef who like saves this kid from being kidnapped and like everyone's fucking in this movie it's got all the wes anderson players and a few new people and uh it's got benicio del toro and tilda swinton and adrian brody and bill murray and oh just so many the the wes anderson crew all show up you say yes and 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 they're great um but yeah i i really want to watch it again (laughs) like it's, it's rare that i see a movie where i'm like I need to go back because it's it was a, a world and then some. But um, that's it for me. Uh, okay, I have a bunch of movies, but I will try to keep it brief. Um, because we watched the full core documentary, I've been ticking off some full core, and me and Destiny uh, watched Psychomania, which where's that? Is that on? Is that on Shutter or is that on Arrow? I, I believe we, we watched it. it on Shutter, but I think it's on both. Okay, um, which is a movie about this British biker gang in the seventies, um, and the leader of the gang's mom is like a. She's she she her job is to like be a clairvoyant, but she's clearly made a pact with like a, a a satanic figure for actual dark magic powers. And as her son is growing of age, they teach him how to die and come back from the dead. And because he's like a hooligan, he immediately teaches how how to do this to all of his friends, and they become an immortal biker gang that wreaks havoc on the British countryside. Fucking incredible movie! It's really good. Oh yeah, I talked about this on Badland Girls. It was one of the best movies I've seen. It was so fucking good. <laughs> <laughs> um it's just so good about like the like like teenage early 20 something like sense of immortality that leads to like a death drive that wraps people up in like really negative behavior um through the lens of like a really like fun goofy horror movie i i was just really surprised by it and it's got cool it, for like a no budget movie it's got incredible stunts like definitely people almost died like eight times in that movie <laughs> yeah the car stunts in this movie are wild <laughs> um and then I watched The Wicker Man, which I had never seen. Um, the Wicker Man is an incredible film about a cop who comes to an island, and this cop is Catholic, very Catholic. Um, I guess he could be Anglican. I don't know. Same thing, right? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> you know the answer to that. 
Yes, no, I'm just I'm just being ridiculous. He is he is very Jesus-y, um, devout. And this island has been set up by Christopher Lee, uh, who is Sir Summer Isle, Count Summer Isle? I don't remember what he is. Um his great grandfather came and set it up as like a like pagan like enclave, and they have been living their pagan ways for years now. Um and he's just scandalized that people are like fornicating in the fields and have weird ideas of death and don't go to church. And he's like, this is, this is impossible. Um, and it just ends up being like a great movie about how some people are fucking chilling and a cop tries to ruin their day by being a cop and, uh, he gets got and it's good. It's just, it's good. Just like a movie you're sitting watching. It's like, I understand why people label this a horror movie, but I'm just here enjoying the people of Summer Isle, living their lives, having their best time. Um, <laughs> It's great. There's a bit where <laughs> the main guy goes to Christopher Lee and he's like, well, don't you believe in the one true God, uh, God of all men? And he's like, oh, that guy, right? Yeah, you know, he had his chance and uh, he fucked it up. That guy's dead. Like, why would we worship him? <laughs> love it. I love it so much. It's such a good movie. I was beside myself with how like good a time I had. It's got a bunch of music in it. It's like chill. Um, Highly recommend it. Even if you're not typically into horror movies, it's not like particularly scary. It's just good. I I highest recommendation um and then i watched uh let's see i watched saw four i just want to say saw four is uh the second best saw movie after saw one had a great time love saw four excited to watch saw five uh hopefully i can convince destiny to do that soon because oh, i yeah. want to get through saw movies we will do that for sure um and then i watched shaolin temple uh which is a 1976 film from the big shaw brothers box set uh that came out recently um that is about so i watched this movie called five shallon masters with destiny i watched that with you right yes that's together you did it's about like five disciples of the shallon temple uh that got like destroyed fleeing the temple and like trying to like build up a force to uh fight um is it the the king Anyway, the people who are, again, like, the government that's trying to stamp out the Shaolin Temple. This is, like, by the same director with many of the same actors two years later, but is about, like, the Shaolin Temple in the moments leading up to, like, the destruction. Like, the actors play different characters. It's just like we did this this myth again, but from, like, a slightly different frame of view. And it's really good. It's just a bunch of guys going to the Shaolin Temple and get trained in a bunch of weird ways to become sick at martial arts. Um, but it goes really badly because that's all that can happen to the Shaolin Temple is it gets invaded and destroyed and the students scatter to the wind um and this one ends with like a bunch of like eight disciples i think in this fleeing the shaolin temple and being like we need to all regroup and be able to take back the temple and like restore our honor um it's just really good i love this movie a lot um because the best thing a martial arts movie can do is be about guys training and like at first they can't really use the staff very well but after a year they're like doing sick shit you've never heard of with a staff uh that's all i need out of one of these and i'm having a good time yeah no they're a lot of fun yeah um so, yeah, I think that's it for me. There's, like, one or two others, but it's fine. It's fine. There's always more movies. Uh, so, we should get into our film this week. We watched Hero, uh, the 2002 Chinese film directed by Zhang Yimou, uh, that stars Jet Li, Tony Leung, Maggie Chung, uh, Zhang Ziyi, Donnie Yen. It's fucking stacked is the thing. <laughs> Um, it's 2002 this, and everyone's in this fucking movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, this came out in America in 2004 uh, because of reasons. Um, 
which is when I saw it. <laughs> I came out of, I, it was released by Miramax with Quentin Tarantino's name on it. If you want to, I feel like for a certain t- type of film person, you know what happened here. That's environmental um, storytelling. <laughs> yes. Miramax <laughs> bought a bunch of foreign films, was bad about releasing them. And Tarantino was like, fucking put it out. Put my name on it. I don't give a shit. Get it in theaters. And they did. And it was, and it did well. I, if I remember correctly, I, mean, I saw it in the theater in 2004. So, uh, had a great time. Uh, Jackson, was... what's this movie's about? Um, okay. So, how am I going to summarize this? <laughs> <laughs> I believe in you. Uh, this movie is about uh, a hero who has no name. He is known as Nameless. Um, yes. And uh, he arrives at the... Um, uh, now I realize I don't know how to pronounce uh, uh, Chin. Is it Chin or is it Ken? Uh, you know what? I do not remember. This is the actual thing. Chinese pronunciation is it's hard fucked. for us. It's so hard. Uh, we did a whole podcast about reading Romance of Three Kingdoms and basically fucked it up every time. Okay, I was right. It is, it is Chin. It is, it is yeah. Chin. It's, like, it's better than more than that. It's more specific than that because Chinese pronunciation, but okay. I will call it Chin. Uh, so it arrives there uh, having uh, defeated the three assassins uh, who have... Uh, uh, been threatening the life of the King of Chin, who is uh, at this point uh, yet to unite uh, all of China. Uh, we're in the Warring States period, um, and that if you don't know that history, that's kind of all you need. That China was not united, and it soon will be. Um, if you know your history, you know that the Qin Dynasty is one of the first of, of these. Uh, yes. So that's uh, that's all going on and he arrives saying that he has killed three assassins uh, the king of Chen has not moved like from has not let his guard down for ten years they say uh, as so haunted he is by these assassins um, and uh, he recounts the story of how he has killed these people uh, and then it becomes a kind of Rashomon situation um, but not 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 really like alternate uh, perspectives on, on a on a truth that can't be found more like an unraveling of multiple tales uh, as he talks about uh, how he killed these three assassins and then reveals that he is actually allied with these three assassins uh, in order to um, get close to the emperor uh, so he can kill him and assassinate him. But Broken Sword, one of these assassins, uh, attempts to tell him uh, not to not to kill, not to kill the king. The king must not die, um, and three years ago broken sword was in the same position and had his sword at uh, uh the king's throat and uh realizes that he can't do it uh and that no one should do it uh uh his like uh lover and you know partner in the assassination attempt flying snow is very mad and betrayed about this and teams up with them nameless to make the second attempt uh but Broken Sword uh, simply writes two characters to uh, instill his will in Nameless and teach him like why he believes uh, that um, this this assassination can't take place, and uh, he writes the the uh, characters uh, Tianxia, uh, which uh, is translated. Fa- we will get into the controversy of the translation here, but it means like all under heaven, uh, like the domain of everything, uh, and is translated in the uh, Hollywood version as our land. Lots of debates have, have raged in the West about this as to what this actually means and whether it, how like nationalist it is or how humanist it is. We will get into that. Those are the characters he writes. That's the message he leaves with, and th- these are uh, 
these words stir within Nameless as he hesitates, and he also finds he cannot kill the king. And he decides uh, that he uh, he must not kill the king, because the king is the only one who can unite China and uh, free uh, everyone from this cycle of uh, states assassinating each other's leaders. Um, because eventually all these states will fade, and then everyone will be Chinese. Uh, and the 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 like nationalist causes of uh, uh of their violence will have faded into history and there can finally be peace um and that's what he does uh he walks away and the king realizes at the uh requests of uh his many uh advisors and associates that he must execute uh nameless uh, because he was an assassin come to kill him. And if he doesn't uh, carry out the law, how can anyone take him seriously? And so uh, through Nameless's death uh, becomes metaphorically uh, the beginning of the King of Tin's path to n- nobly uniting uh, the Chinese Empire uh, in you know the, the ancient times when this happened. And that's kind of the plot. Uh, meanwhile, the other subplot is that uh, Broken Sword... Uh, and Flying Snow are fighting uh, over whether this should have happened. And to convey his true feelings to her, Broken Sword does not uh, parry her attacks. And so while she thought they were having a metaphorical fight, uh, she stabs him fatally because he doesn't defend himself. And she commits suicide uh, on his body, and they both die together in the end, um, leaving only <laughs> uh, Donnie Yen to uh be like i was in the movie at the start i i i will continue uh, <laughs> uh <laughs> and that's that's part of the movie you know what i think that was a pretty solid summary all things considered he did a good job yeah, sure so i don't hear talk shit about it no there you go uh who enjoyed what do people think of this movie so i'd seen it before uh, like I said, I thought this movie ripped at the time. I still think it rips. So I'm just here to be like, man, this movie f- is incredible. I think it's one of the coolest movies ever made just as a thing to put in your eyeballs. Um, uh, it's hard to argue with, I feel like. but um, I imagine this movie will like give you an unfair expectation of just like wish our movies in general. Uh, yeah, because I remember going to see House of Flying Daggers by the same director a couple years later in a theater and not liking it very much. So, because <laughs> um, this is just like the most uh, abstract, the wrong word, just heightened imagery. All imagery is uh, like the most turned up to eleven version of the emotion that is happening. All action scenes are uh, just like um, abstract fights of these conflicts which eventually become revealed to be about characters who don't and never existed other than as like versions in other people's tales uh and you just watch these things happen and happen again uh and it's just incredible to look at with your eyes that's true that's all true um yeah i really like this movie uh still um it's it's interesting because like it's like a lot of things. One, it's like the the wuxia like you know wire work martial arts uh, using like digital effects and and uh, like really nice color control to create just like a very beautiful film in a way that like 
you know, this came out the year, like, after the Matrix sequels had hit American theaters, right? Like, what these, what the action cinema influenced by Wuxia movies look like was already, like, a thing, like, because the Matrix happened. Um, and so seeing this was just, like, really dramatic and interesting. And then there's, like, the, the, the love story and, like, the character drama, which I think is all really good. Um, seeing the different permutations of that, I think, works because some of them are, like, more arch than others and some of them are a little ridiculous. But, like, watching them all be kind of, like, half-truths, potentially, in the in the telling of the tale, you never really know for sure, uh, like, how much is actually... It's not, like, it's not a Rashomon, right? Like, no. um, we do have, like, a real thing but everyone tells their tale like also from like a perspective that can be at least partially true like you know um flying snow does not backstab or, or sorry snow does not backstab uh broken sword um and leave him for dead in you know like actually in like the first telling um but that's her that is her intent in e in any version of the story right like right. her her feelings towards him are cold in that way um and that stuff, I think, is just, like, good and interesting. Like, you know, his, his like, uh, student does not try to revenge herself upon uh, Snow, actually. But um, the emotion is there that she was, like, sad about this, um, distraught over their, their, you know, their separation, but also seemingly having some great emotion for Broken Sword. All that stuff is true. And then, of course, you have the argument of, like, the stuff that we'll cover a little bit at the end about, like, what it means, uh, Tian Sha and, like the the idea of like the individual versus the idea of a state or a people um and that's what's all really interesting i think this movie's like for being a very slight movie about people doing very beautiful martial arts has a lot of like stuff in it and that, i love that about it yeah uh, it's yeah no i i will admit i thought you know nameless was going to kill the king that's what i was expecting that's what i was like, that's what I thought the movie was building up to. I, I don't know much about Chinese history. So, yeah, no, the, that it doesn't go that way was really interesting and cool. Uh, yeah. Um I, I also mostly had a good time. Um, I was I was expecting to like it because I knew it by reputation. But, um, damn. Uh, I just really enjoy melodramas is a thing i've realized about myself recently um like i so the thing is like when i when i thought about this i i didn't know how to express it because um i i don't want to be comparing these movies that have nothing to do with each other but i felt similarly um when i saw infernal affairs which is another you know that's a hong kong movie but i don't i don't mean because they're like both uh chinese cinema uh, i mean purely because they are like peak uh melodrama really invest in very simple stakes uh you know that first movie uh is the one that really believes in the idea of these fucking cops and whatever doing this fight and this movie is a movie that really believes in the his soul is in the calligraphy of the 20th version of the character of a sword uh and it's fucking cool and i just like the height and the melodrama stuff uh and that stuff is in every language in every cinema it's just like put um you know, it is Hollywood de-emphasizes it, right? It's not the in style of how uh, cinema is made here uh, these days. But it's not like that kind of uh, emotionally driven cinema is unique to any one national cinema, right? <laughs> um, and that was like my first reaction. Was I just I just need to seek out more films of many kinds and many places with uh, uh, more of just like open melodrama because I feel like I tend to move away from it into um, 
uh, you know, uh, Eddie Izzard uh, in a box with a stair movies or whatever, Ma- arranging <laughs> matchsticks. Um. Uh, yeah, or realist cinema about yes. nations and states. Yes. Um, which this kind of is, but not in that way, right? Like the, the tonally, no. it is all uh, high melodrama, and that's the stuff I want to just seek out from wherever it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, that's some, it's weird because like we uh, some of the emails we got were about this, um, like the Tianxia thing, uh, like translation as our land, and there, we got a big. Um, we got an essay. We'll link to it. Yeah, we got a big essay um, that is about this specifically. Uh, it's like an actual piece of scholarship. Um, yes. Uh, that is, is like really long, but if, if you're interested in all in Chinese history, I think it's worth reading. Uh, that's specifically about this. How would you summarize briefly what this is about? It's like providing historical context for uh, Tianxia as an idea that throughout Chinese history um, has been utilized by both the pe- like the population and the ruling classes and various ideas of what China even represents to mean different things to suit different like geopolitical purposes. Yeah. Um, and this is when, like when there was. Oh, I was going to say this is like one of the first things you learn about when you like start looking into like Confucian. Uh, yes. Ideas. So like yeah yeah like so this is like an idea that goes back that far and like is predominantly like in Confucian thought we did some reading we did Romance of the Two Networks is where we read through Romance of the Three Kingdoms um, that uh, is about like the idea that like it's not about like the divine rule of kings in the way like European monarchs are like I- like idealized is like we rule this land it's like the idea of a land is like all of us and the land and the end, whatever mythological power exists and the monarch are all in like a certain like harmony as a system that works together to the betterment of all things. Yes. That's like the Confucian idea of how a society operates. Uh, there's a king, the king serves the people, the people serve the king, the land serves the people and the king and the people serve the land and the king serves the land. Like it's all tied up together. Um, and, and when and, you, oh, you're just going to go, but uh, go. Uh, yeah, specifically like the idea of like, uh, Tinsha also can extend. It, it depends on when you're who is using it, but can extend to the nation, uh, the 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 projected idea of a nation. If you want to expand the empire, or just all the things under heaven and earth. Yeah, <laughs> it like kind of depends on who you ask at any given time what it can mean. So like our land specifically, like in a Western context, denotes like the motherland in a way that evokes like European nationalism. Um, in a way that the movie can be that but is not always that and often is not that it can be a lot of different things it's a much more nebulous term yes um and like when we went back and looked at um just like read some confucian stuff is you even go back and look at like the the, the teachings that have remained and the ones that have um like are attributed to confucius like the first confucius book uh like the the surviving like primary texts are mostly about how to be uh how to serve the king well in harmony right like they are uh a lot of like what it means for your responsibility and we're mencius and mencius is all about how the king has to fucking serve back um so even like when we were taking a look at this stuff uh you can already see the idea like the pull works both ways it does not just mean give up your cause because the hegemon must exist uh which is how a lot of not a lot of, but like how a lot of, you know, some of the Western criticism responded to it at the time, and even now, because uh, when you translate it that way, it has that overtone, and that's like a point this essay makes. 
Yeah, the the argument that Broken Swords ends up making is like someone who has studied calligraphy to the point where he's achieved a certain form of enlightenment. Um, that is specifically like Confucian form of enlightenment is like we come from a nation that is that is like real harms have been done to us. Like every one of them is from uh, Zhou, and everyone has suffered under the, the warring states that have happened. Uh, their side is basically lost. All of them have like suffered real harm, both in like their society and personally. Like these are all like orphans and familyless people who exist in a weird nebulous state right um but uh the thing he's discovered is like i could get vengeance we could kill the king and in fact he goes and tries to kill the king and realizes this in the last second but it won't achieve anything it'll just continue the process by which people like me and uh, like hundreds of other people suffer and die and are left stranded with no one around them um and instead, if we just allow the natural course of things to happen, the world will reach an equilibrium where war will eventually, hopefully stop because society will be ordered under a monarch that will like dictate a new paradigm that can be better than this because this sucks. Like, it's not like an argument for like freedom versus the state, which is often like the Western conception. It's just like suffering is happening. What is the quickest recourse to like eliminate the suffering of the people and just end the war? Mm -hmm. And if that means that the kid, the, the, the monarch unites all of China, then that's what, that's what that means. Yes. And the movie is not like, the movie is not broad uh, about this. It has like, there are complications in this idea. Um, one of the, the important scenes is where like, when he's talking about the character of a sword and the 20th character, the, the king goes off and gives a monologue about how, um, you know, he will, when, when he's king, we'll have one character for sword. Uh, because yes. It's like extremely, it's like, it's weird. Cause like, this is like a very American view of this, I guess, or like a Western view, but like, there's no way to not view his like speech in that, that lens is like, he is bringing enlightenment thinking to like a nation, like a, a people that are like in a different way mode, right? Like he's like, why do you need 20 characters to represent sword? And we can just unite the languages. There'll be one character that means sword. Ambiguity only causes strife. So we'll just eliminate ambiguity. But like people, like the rest of the characters thrive and are like beautiful through their ambiguity. Right. And I, I mean, like, I mean, yes, that is like a Western perspective, but like, you know, in the 20th century, uh, the Chinese government did introduce a simplified Chinese to like unify how they make documents. Yes. Yes. Uh, this is like an important cultural thing that happened in China. Yes. Uh, that's also being referenced here. Um, well, yeah, like this movie is being made in a China that has been under, like been interfacing with like modernity. By that, I mean, like, you know, European influence yes. for several hundred years, right? Like it's inescapable now. Absolutely. Um, but also specifically, like, there's a bit where, um, the, the king is like, I, 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 my ambition does not just extend to the kingdoms. I will go and like cover all the land. And there's a bit where nameless is like disquieted because like the broken sword and nameless's goal is to end the war, but like, it's a hope that if they allow him to do this, um, that once that happens, things will settle down and people will know peace, um, but it's it's only that like there's no guarantee it's not like what if i told you tomorrow the war will be over uh we don't get that they they're doing this with the hope that if they confront him and tell him that, that this that it'll help focus his mind and make it happen um and uh and that the movie ends on like a note of ambiguity we're like you know they they make the choice and they allow this to happen but we don't know like we know that war does not end like forever right there might be periods of peace there might be united china but it's we live in a world where strife and war still exist people still suffer yes Um, yeah, no, so it was an ending that, like, when it first happened, I was, um, not down on it, but I was like, oh, that's an interesting, like, interesting ending, and then, like, reading, 
because I, I had the translation that they talk about here. I had the Arlan thing. Um, oh yeah, everyone does. Um, I don't think there's like a, a competing translation out there in English of this movie. Oh, the Wikipedia page says there might be, but I I don't. I so I don't know. Okay, that makes sense then. The TV uh, release version might have the ori- or the actual. I, I, oh, oh okay. Wikipedia says it does. I don't know. Once I looked it up, I was like, oh yes, no, I I read Three Kingdoms, so I understand like the Tinxia, uh, Tianxia's like, concept. I understand. Like, yes. it, it, it locked the movie into a uh, uh, easier understanding for me, and I, I like it a lot. Um, I, I don't I don't necessarily think the ending is like, you know, I don't <laughs> like ah, I agree, we'll all figure it out. <laughs> uh, but I don't think it necessarily has to be that. Like, it's a broad parable, right? It's a very yes. uh, simple movie. Um, like it's it's complicated and there's a lot of like nuance there, uh, but it is ultimately a high high melodrama broad movie that you can you are able to latch on to your own cause and frame the movie in that way, which is also true of how Tian Shao's concept has been used over millennia in yes. in China, uh, which is why also it's like uh, a. Uh, in the framework of like revenge cinema, it's also like often a revenge movie is about how revenge ends up being a bitter pill because of the personal cost of the person enacting vengeance. That is not like they give up their act of vengeance because they see that like the act of vengeance ultimately is like self-defeating because it doesn't end suffering for like it doesn't solve the problems that caused their particular individual suffering and they find another path that is like harder and more nebulous but could potentially actually help people and then choose that path but it's not like that's considered like the only right way like i don't think snow is wrong and being like what about our vengeance like does that mean nothing to you i'm mad that you say we should just give that up (laughs) yes Uh. and he's i mean even when he's like i'm not i'm not derailing from this path he is still like sympathetic to her wanting that vengeance right like her father was a general of joe and is like you know assumingly killed in all these battles and wants her revenge mm-hmm. and I, I think caught like the way this movie is framed right is that like um they the thing they want is vengeance uh mm-hmm. as, as, a, as a concept and it's, it's it's a revenge movie in the broader sense like you say it doesn't have those tropes because it's, it's dealing with these like f- philosophically different but the these are not an opposing army it's not a three kingdom situation where zhao has a different f- like philosophy of how to rule um like it's not like you know when Liu Bei and south are getting a room and th- what if we either of those were on the throne, it would, in the at least in the argument of the text, you could argue about Liu Bei being a couple day. But in the, the way the text frames it, there's a fundamental difference to the people as to which one rules, and that is not really what's happening here, right? Like they kill, they don't have. There's no other. There's no king to take to like come in after Chen is assassinated. They don't. There's no like thought there. Uh, the movie doesn't like go into what the further plan is, other than I guess uh, they would like Zhao to rise again. Um, yeah, and I mean the movie's real, and the the back half of this essay, which I do absolutely recommend people read, yes. is about the this movie being a movie that is populated by mythic figures, and then the idea of people, but not actual. We don't see a populace in like a real way. Whenever we see crowds, they are abstracted into like a mass. Yes, like there is just the people, there is our heroes, and there is the the king, and that is what the world is. And, like, what that means in terms of, like, reclaiming Wuxia narratives. It's interesting. It's, like, beyond the scope of what I am interested in talking about myself. But there's, like, reasons for it that I think are, like, well thought out that are presented in that essay. Mm -hmm. I wish there was almost a disclaimer in the beginning of the movie that they translated it so narrowly. (laughs) Like, I feel like 
if you don't have the context, it might... I mean, that's the thing is, like, I don't... The context is not just, ah, this could also be translated as all under heaven. I don't think that'd, like, fix the problem of, like, there's culture gaps when you watch international cinema. Yeah. Um, Like, the director has spoken about this and been like, he thinks the translation is fine. Uh, Or translation is a handicap. Because the actual answer is that an American watching this will... You know, unless they are uh, explicitly someone who has done a lot of work to understand, like what um, the, how this is like portrayed in Chinese culture, will think of it in a nationalistic way because that's the way our culture approaches that idea. Yes, um, mm-hmm. like, that's the fundamental yeah. problem, not the word choice. No, you're right. Yeah, there's you're no way, right. There's no way to op- there's no way to like disclaim away the soft power culture war that China and the United States have been in for decades now. <laughs> it's just yeah. a bummer because I feel like you could come away from this film just with the wrong idea. Yeah, people do. I mean, like, there's plenty of, you know, uh, reviews that are like, man, the action's sick, but uh, it sucks that it's about how it's good to be controlled by a tyrant at the end. Um, I think the movie's just more nebulous about that and also not what it's saying at all. Um, But, you know, the road to understanding that is like broadly engage in like a culture that is not your own and understand what like what prevailing thoughts in like historical Chinese literature are. And Mm -hmm. like, you know, that's like a bigger tactic than a movie can do but this is always what you run across when you watch like cinema from another country like the problem is when people think international cinema usually you're thinking of like france and italy yeah not yeah fundamentally not the different because they made up the cultures that we live in right exactly yes like when when people think about international cinema right it is usually even in many other like further afield countries it is uh, oh you mean hong kong and I mean, japan i specifically <laughs> mean like so, an incredible the incredible british essay is where they talk about how like people think about hong kong cinema and chinese cinema are similar because they are literally the same country um but you have to understand the legacy of how uh like the narrative work of living under uh, like actual real colonialism in the 21st century, in the 20th century, changes the way like a, a Hong Kong action movie hero will operate as compared to a Chinese action movie hero. And the, the essay, yes, please read the essay. It's all about this for a bit. Yeah, the essay doesn't talk about it, but the, there is almost no extant Japanese cinema that is not a post-war Japan, right? Yes. Like it is, it is a, it is a culture that is defined by being reconstructed by Americans after they were decimated in a war. Yes. Uh, so, like, the ability to watch movies, even from countries we'd consider uh, opposed to American interests, right? The realities of production and how cinema is made, most foreign cinema is still influenced by that in many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously not all of it, I'm not saying that. You, we just got to work hard to find different movies. It's hard, it, you know, this is just the work of, like caring about other cultures it's just hard it's like a lot of reading and then none of it's very clear and you do your best and i think as long as you're like honest about that you're doing mm-hmm. the work gotta watch like i don't know memories of underdevelopment i don't know what that is it's a cube movie that i saw in okay. uh my um uh third cinema unit at uh uni was which it good? is very good okay um but sometimes some guys like bounce on their sword tips in a lake and you're like, man, this is the sickest shit I've ever seen. <laughs> and that's what actually matters. Yes. <laughs> um, the part where like all of these action scenes are like beautiful and evocative and um, don't waste a lot of time. I guess like I assume there's a, there's a certain person who watches this and is like, these fights are slow and nothing happens. 
Um, and that's like, you know, if, if you don't value the things these action scenes are about, that's fine. I, I'm not here to say you're wrong. Um, but this is like every action tells a story in a way that you just don't see in a lot of like action choreography, even like watching like the Shaw Brothers movies. Like sometimes guys are just like throwing punches and stuff, right? Like, um, the, the, the storytelling here, because it, like Wuxia comes out of like, as like a cinematic form comes out of like opera is about using motion to, to, to denote character. And I think the movie it, it captures that really well by only having like five people who fight and they all do it really specifically. And like the ways in which they do that and interact with each other are really telling. Um, that lake fight is probably my favorite where like one of the water droplets like veers towards uh, Snow's dead body and he races down to like deflect it and can't get there in time and wipes the tear off her face. Like she's been like grievously injured by a thousand arrows and it's incredible. I love it. It's so good. It's so good. <laughs> and like, and then, and then, and then when nameless goes down to like strike a blow on his back is turned, he realizes to do so would be horribly uncouth and just like wildly spins in the air as he's like trying to like <laughs> stall his like dive bomb towards him, his like hand slapping the water and thus the water like splashes his own face. Like he's injuring himself, even though all he's doing is like spinning in the air above the lake. And it's so good. Uh, yes. And also this never happened. Uh, yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is just like a one of, maybe the least true scene in the whole movie um, in terms of things that occurred um, yes oh, so the just the ways in... yes <laughs> sorry that was my favorite fight mm-hmm. i'm simple uh, no, it's, no it's, it's good good. It's all good. Uh, I, I love the ways in which like and I, because it's not a rational situation and it's not about like there, there is a truth. We we know the truth, yes. and the movie it, there is no ambiguity as to what the truth is. Uh, yeah, it allows for a story about okay, knowing that there's a truth, these these narratives still impact us. They still happen. We still perceive them, and they still mean something both to us and the characters, even though they are like unambiguously not true in real in any way. Um, yeah, and I really like that. Like these things still have like- powers, like myths. Like, Sky came to Nameless and cre- hatched this plan with him, and he's fine, whatever. But they, that, like, the, the way that Nameless perceives us as we stood in the tea hall and together we, per- like, fought on the plane of the mind, and that allowed us, like, me to perceive that I could defeat him, um, is still, like, true in, like, a, in, yes. like, a spiritual level. Yes. And that's, like, that part's great. That's, like, the thing that's really cool about this. God, it's um, just so sick. It's just so sick. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, the part where Nameless and Snow stand on the roof and deflect thousands of arrows seemingly did not happen. But th- this is what they end up doing, like, together, almost, like, in Snow's way, kind of, like, against her will to, like, perceive, like, make Broken Sword's idea of the world happen. Mm-hmm. Um, it's good. I love it. Uh, other, okay, I'm just going to list sick things now. Sick thing that happened in this movie. Uh, <laughs> all of the uh, calligraphy students going back to their desks while being killed yes. with arrows yes. to tell the world the power of their art didn't happen coolest thing in the universe yes the ancient uh, loot player being asked to keep playing yeah. <laughs> yes yes it's so good um if you just like the sick shit that happens in this movie but are like what if what if it was a little more ridiculous i urge everyone to watch um uh thunderbolt fantasy which is a three season puppet uh, show Again, that is a which is about uh a bunch of heroes out of like you know uh myth 
kind of like this, but what if what if they were all in like a huge soap opera melodrama about backstabbing each other all the time instead? And they were puppets, obviously. <laughs> I'll get that soon. Um, I'm watching Guy. Right but it's now. good. It's fucking great. I love that show. Mm-hmm. Um, um, oh, you can just watch like there's a bunch of Wuxia films, right? Like not yes. not all of them look like this, but this is a this is a you know, subgenre with a history of its own um, that you know worth digging into. Um, the part where Nameless walks down the stairs and th- hundreds of men surround him, um, but not getting close. One of cinema's greatest shots. Uh, yes. When that shot happened, I was like, oh, I've seen this shot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I've seen this shot many times. Yes. Yeah. It's so good. Uh, yes. Um, just the whole just the whole approach to the throne where it's like you killed sky you can come within 20 paces of the throne you killed broken sword and snow please come within 10 paces of the throne and the way they lay down the new table and present the gold and like deeds to all the like land that he now owns fucking incredible i think it's really interesting the way uh in which all the um like people are portrayed at the end of the movie like the crowds Mm -hmm. um and this is another part of like the arguments about what the movie means um in that i think that there's a way you could read this of it saying like the the masses do not understand like the what the heroes have gone through and they just cool for the thing and you have to like manage that but i don't think like, i don't think that's really what, what's happening i mean if you if you if you're going to have a king that dictates laws that the people believe in the king has to make the law like has to give the laws yes. legitimacy by enacting them i mean which ma- means even if he even if he thinks nameless has like done him a great deed he still has to order the soldiers to fire because the man came and tried to kill the king uh thematically that is absolutely what's happening um but i mean like visually when you perceive them like there's a way to read it as like these are just like the, the the horde of the masses uh that aren't even worthy of like characters and individualism but there's another way you can read it of just like understanding that this like it just becomes full opera at this point they are like like full on the operatic chorus calling for the end of the movie yes um and uh it, it's just another way where like if you come into this film with just reading it more literally in how cinema works mostly in hollywood like you just come up with a completely different thematic reading of what it's saying yeah yeah a lot of cool shit this movie uh it's one of the sickest movies everything's so cool uh I could just list like the climax of every scene, but I will just list two more. The the bits, uh, all the training bits where the two things, um, he throws the tea in the air, uh, cuts all the books, catches the tea on his sword, and then all the bookcase fall over while he stands there with the tea on his sword. Uh, yes. Fucking sickest thing in the world. Uh, and then the other similar one where he throws the one white reeds in with all the like arrows. Oh, the, yeah, the brushes. The brushes. Yes. yes. Uh, damn. Movie's so cool. It's it's very cool. Um, Do you have anything else? We have a bunch of emails. We need to get emails. emails. Yeah, let's get through them. Okay, if you would like to send us emails, you can send them to abnormalmappingpodcast at gmail.com. They can be about anything, not just the movie covered, but I'm pretty sure most of these are about hero because this movie popular. (laughs) Yes. Most emailed about Uh, movie. Yeah, Nora writes in, what's your favorite sword fight in a movie? Shit. My favorite sword fight. Oh, while you two think I gave you all these questions, as if you I know you did. Oh, I, I know, but there it. were so many of them. I mean, um, like it's not it's not a sword fight, so I, I this is cheating. But I can't say like you, you can do whatever you want. You can do whatever you want. I mean, it's, it's literally defined podcast. by having guns. 
Uh, oh, okay. But, I don't like. I don't. I never like guns. As I think guns make movie are bad for cinema. No, no. no. I mean, you know, generally, like generally, I think you agree. But I was going to mention the Madoka movie. Uh, Hummer oh, versus, um, what's face? Mommy. Mommy fight. <laughs> Fair enough. That's pretty sick. Yeah. I think my favorite is. Um, in in the movie Troy, there is a uh, great fight against Achilles and who's Eric Bottom play Ajax maybe that is like Achilles has a sword like a short sword and a shield and is it Ajax I don't actually know I don't look it up has a spear and I'd never seen a spear like used in a fight in a way that I'm like that's why you pick a spear and it's like the sickest shit I've ever seen it's one that comes to mind. It's spears are really not to drag this podcast out even longer, but like spears are like one of the most effective weapons in history ever. Yes, uh, yes, but they're not they're not used in like cinema very often, no. so no one knows what the fuck a spear can do. Exactly, which is like the thing we talked about last uh, in um, the last samurai, right? With um, yeah. the samurai, we just use spears. They're not going to use a katana from the situation where a spear would do. It's Why would spear. you throw a sword? Throwing a sword is stupid. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Destiny, do you have an answer? I cannot think of one. All I can think of are Tarantino movies, and I, I don't think that's actually the right answer. I just have I'm having. I mean, the the one like the one big sword fight in Kill Bill is. I, I guess there's the big crazy eight fight, but like the actual duel is just like Lady Snowblood. Yeah, I guess, yeah. So, I was know. thinking about Lady Snowblood, and I was like, I, I, it's been a while since I've seen it, but just go see Lady Snowblood. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> um. Nora, second question. Everyone has their own VTuber persona ideas, but if you had to take a movie protagonist and VTube as them, who would you choose? Enid Coleslaw. Oh, that's a great choice. Thank you. <laughs> would you would you tell me who Enid Coleslaw is if they don't know? Oh, uh, she's the protagonist in Ghost World, which was a yeah. comic and then later made into a Terry Zwigoff movie um, played by Thora Birch famously. It's a great character she's just real quirky and loves uh like obscure cinema and just things that i care about <laughs> that's fair but that's my answer uh, i um go ahead uh, uh manhunter will graham <laughs> oh fuck yeah that's so good that's fun i love it I'm playing Halo, my man. You're playing it. Halo right now with me. <laughs> um, I think I th I was thinking about it. And I'm like, there's a lot of answers here, but I think like, the answer that I I think I'm gonna pick is uh, Christopher Lee Saruman. It's a pretty good one. Oh, I like that. Yeah, I think that'd be a fun one to do. Um, all right. Uh, Hilver writes in, "Who is an online creator who you would like to see direct a feature length film?" I'm still thinking. Do about Do we even this. have an answer for this? Because I fucking hate every online creator. Right, right. <laughs> but I figured I'd ask this anyway. But Black Dynamite, you're an online creator. <laughs> Here's the thing: they're either my friends, and I know they wouldn't want to move, make a movie, or I don't trust them. Those are the two options. That's all we got. I can't say I can't like ruin Austin's life. I mean, like Austin, you're directing a movie now. <laughs> Austin would not want to direct a movie. Um, God. Uh... I mean, I, I'll voice this on Dia. Dia can direct a movie. Dia can direct a movie. <laughs> Dia will have no compunctions <laughs> telling actors to fucking do what they're told. Yes. So I guess I'm picking Dia Lucina. <laughs> oh, you know, our friend Casey, like, has worked on movies. He should uh, do a movie. I'd watch Casey's movie. I don't know if he wants to direct. He'd probably be like, you know, like some something else. I think he's more like a crew guy, but. Mm -hmm. 
Look, we have, you know, our friend Michael like wants to write movies, you know, working on scripts and stuff. So yep. we know people who could do that. Um, Adam writes in, if y'all had to cast Western actors for a Wuxia style action movie, who are you going to pick? I've been thinking about this one and I said, I, oh God, it's hard. Repeat the question. If you have to pick Western actors for a Wuxia style action film, who are you going to pick? I would love to see Frances McDormand. She's just been on my mind lately. Fuck yes. I would just I'm here for this. love to see her stretch her muscles in something where she's just a cool assassin or something. Like, yeah. Frances McDormand. Uh, Will- Willem Dafoe. Oh, yeah. God, um, Willem Dafoe. <laughs> I think Nicole Kidman kill it. Certainly. You just want people who you will sell, like you will be, be willing to believe when they do some wild shit on a wire. That's all you need. You need like <laughs> a, someone who can exude a personality. Russell Crowe. <laughs> God. Interesting. That's for all the Blockbusters fans. <laughs> uh, everyone knows where he'd Russell Crowe <laughs> <laughs> We are. That's the thing. Um. Okay. Uh, bu- 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 bu. Let's see. Uh, Yusuf writes in, uh, Heroes tied with Tai Chi Master for my favorite Jet Li movie. What are your faves? Uh, if you don't know Jet Li well enough, who's your favorite Jackie Chan or Chai and Fat movie? There's also nice things said about us. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs> Very um, sweet. I haven't, I haven't seen enough of any of this. I've seen like one or two of each, right? Like I'm not Same. Uh, super well seen. Um, like what? Jet Li movies have I seen other than Hero and Jet Li's The One, which are two very different movies. Um, that's fair. Uh, Jet Li has a small role in Shaolin Temple. It's his first film. Oh, there you go. Oh, no, sorry. Different Shaolin Temple. Right. I always get that mixed up because everyone talks about it uh, kind of in the same breath. But um, I like Once Upon a Time in China. I need to watch the rest of those. Those are good. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first movie I saw Jet Li in was Lethal Weapon 4. Uh, of course it was. If you want to watch Jet Li beat the shit out of Mel Gibson and uh, Danny Glover, that happens in that movie. Uh, tragically, I assume he can't win. No, 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 no. <laughs> but he's like he's like the like the like the bad guys are like triad guys or something. I don't know. They bring him in as like they're heavy. Okay. So there's like a big fight. But he does. I think he ends up just like walking away or something. I don't actually remember what happens to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I am woefully underwatched in Jet Li. Gonna fix that soon. Um, but it's probably this one. I'll be honest. Like the one is really fun. We I need to show Destiny the one. That's like not for any podcast. But Destiny needs to see the one. You need to see the one. That's a fucking movie. I'm excited. There's a fucking movie. He's um, in the Expendables, right? You know what a bad. It's a bad oh, movie. Oh god! Fucking Expendables. Expendables is terrible. On paper, that sounds like the coolest movie in the world. Yeah, I was like, I'm willing to do it because, like, I I like most of these guys well enough. Like, you know, they're all like weird fucking Republicans or libertarians, but like, I've enjoyed many of their films. Same. It's a bad movie. It's a fucking That's bad a movie. That's a shame. They made three of them. Everything Stallone made after Rocky Balboa has been a. I watched that Rambo, that new that Rambo Four or whatever. That movie's fucking abysmal. Terrible film. God. Um. Okay, let me go back to our list here. The actual answer uh, uh, is uh. that I know that was the movie, like the question was about those actors, uh, but uh, Tony Lung's cooler than everyone else in this movie. He's so fucking cool. He's very cool. Fair enough. I love him. Uh, um, 
what uh this one's from joe uh two movies two questions what's the best stare in movie history the best stare yeah i've been thinking like, about we're this biting one. arnie at stairwell's whole deal with this question i know i know we are <laughs> i feel like i should have one i have like many that are coming to mind but nothing that i'm like that one's the the height of movie stairs the one I think of the most when you say a stairwell in a film, and it's not even because the stair itself is like ornate. It's specifically in, um, it's in the silent version, the, the, the stage show, the actual like musical based on the stair that, uh, the phantom comes down in a phantom of the opera dressed as red death mm-hmm. is fucking cool. That's that like cool. someone comes down a staircase. You're like, damn, like in the black and white movie, it's like colorized. They like, like do like a red treatment and it's like mind blowing. Um, it's so good. It's cheating to just say like the Battleship of Tamkin stairs. It's very Jackson answer. I, I, the thing is, I did genuinely watch that movie for real, not just like think of it as that's a famous movie stairs. It really is that good. Yeah, it's not a movie, but I think of the stairs in Utena, the spiral staircase to the dueling grounds, like basically Ooh. every day. I think about that a lot too. That might be my answer because I really could not think of anything. Um. And then, what non-horror movie would you use as a theme for a haunted house? Non-horror movie for a haunted house. Hmm. Yeah. I'm going to pick the uh, the movie Toys, the, the Robin Williams movie that nobody liked. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> that... I remember liking that movie, but it's been a long time. I like a- that AI is also too. a great answer, I think. Oh, AI is a great answer. I'm still on a Wes Anderson kick, so a haunted Grand Budapest Hotel. <laughs> oh, that'd be great. That'd be That's like easy. Cool as shit. We need an answer from Jackson before we can move on. Oh, <laughs> did we? I thought I, I thought I got yes. away with it. Um, yep. uh, there's so there's so many ridiculous answers you can choose here. Um, and I, every time I think of them, like, oh, Terminator is too much of a horror film. That's just cheating. I'm just like picking an actual like close enough um, yeah terminator one specifically is it, a horror literally movie. a, horror, a sci-fi movie, yes. horror movie yeah <laughs> um uh lord of the rings oh that'd be fun uh jad writes in jad is the one who linked the article that i'm gonna have in the show notes please check it out i highly recommend it um but then ask the question if you're going to have a signature weapon what would it be gun i don't know <laughs> <laughs> what kind of gun uh, i'd be a like not a revolver just like a normal handgun which i guess it was james like bond pistol? types gun yeah yeah okay um i want like a cool staff staffs are cool yeah are cool. i think i want um i want like i was like i have like a goofy exotic answer like um kung fu hustle has like the like shamisen player or whatever who has like sonic waves come off when they pluck the strings and like shoot energy beams, it's fucking great. Kung Fu Hustle's a great film. Is Kung Fu Hustle the best film um, I've made? Maybe. It's <laughs> so good. Um, but, but I think my actual answer is I just want like like fuck off magic fists, like <laughs> like man with the iron fists kind of fists. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. I still haven't. Man with seen iron that. fists, unsung. I can't believe I didn't see that. With you. We need to watch Man with iron fists. I believe it was on one of the streaming services. Okay, we'll find it. We'll track it down. Yeah, yeah, don't worry. We'll get a hold of it. <laughs> um, Rye writes in. Uh, ba, 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 ba. 
watch this movie with high school friends. Um, let's see. Hope to see more things like this. But I haven't actually saw anything outside of Kung Fu Panda 2, uh, <laughs> which I've still not seen. But I know people like that one. You like that, Jackson, right? I like that one. I, I've seen the first two Kung Fu Pandas. I like them both. Uh, what do you make of the small wave of Wuxia films uh, like Hero and House Flying Daggers got US released in the wake of Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon? Uh, what did you think of them at the time? Uh, have you noticed any particular influence they had on filmmakers outside of East Asia? Uh, the thing is, like, Matrix lifted from these, and then everything's stealing from the Matrix is what actually happened. Yeah. The, the, it's it's backwards. It's nerds stealing from Wuxia, which then brings in more Wuxia into America. Yeah. Yeah. Which is fine. Like, you know, ultimately, I don't I don't mind. But it is, it is a shame. Oh, sorry. No, I was going to say, the like, the way films talk to each other is my favorite thing about film. Uh, that's fair. Um, if you're interested, if people are interested, uh, Zhang Yimou did a movie called A Woman, A Gun, and a Noodle Shop in 2009, which I managed to catch in a theater. It was not, like, a big deal or anything. But it is a kind of like a, a Wuxia-style remake of the Coen Brothers' first film, Blood Simple. Um, it's fucking incredible. It's just about, like, this tiny noodle shop in the middle of the desert and uh, bad things happen there. And it's, like, way more comedic than Blood Simple. Blood Simple has its comedy because Coen Brothers don't know how to not make anything funny. Um, but it's way more, like, slapsticky. But it's really good. I highly recommend it. I have not been able to stop thinking about this movie ever since you mentioned it. Like, <laughs> it just sounds like the coolest movie in the world to me. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, people should seek it out. It's it's so wild. And it's seemingly, like, went under the radar and, like, no one thinks talks about it at all. But, like, I, I caught it at the time. I was like, this is wild. I can't believe this exists. But he just loved uh, he just loved Blood Simple and wanted to do it. Fair enough. Yeah, it's a good movie. Yeah. Um. What was our question? Oh, I I mean I'm the only one who saw these as they're coming out in theaters. I, I wish that more. I mean, no one's going to theater anymore. But I always feel like it's weird because like China produces a lot of movies. I'm sure I'm not like plugged in. But I feel like all the stuff that comes out here is like the action cinema. So I end up feeling a little weird about it. It's like the thing where like everyone's seen a Yakuza movie, but like Japan has a film industry that just makes melodramas and shit. No one just watches them. I mean, like outside of Japan. Yeah. You look at like um, the list of the highest grossing movies from like China or Japan or, you know, pick a country, right? Uh, Yeah. You is often like here are the big action movies. Like that, um, what was that, 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 that big ridiculous movie that kind of got a hilarious uh, discourse about, uh, uh, the Battle of Lake Changjin. Um, that's like a big action movie that people know about, right? Uh, mm-hmm. But then you go look and um, at like the other highest grossing stuff, and there's a movie earlier. Uh, at one point, this was the number one, but it got knocked off. Uh, it was number three now. There was a movie called Hi Mom, which is just like one of the highest grossing movies of the year. Just a uh, like feel good comedy drama from china right that one's yes. never coming over here like it probably got a release right but like culturally yeah the th- the thing self-select and the way our culture takes things right yeah meanwhile uh zhang yimu made the chinese american co-production the great wall starring matt damon as a guy who fights on the great wall in 2016 great <laughs> yep which has to be the dumbest movie on earth but i kind of want to watch it <laughs> Uh, there's no way it's not. I mean, I remember the the discourse about that movie of people being like, is, is racist to have uh, Matt Damon? And then everyone would be like, it's literally a Chinese movie and they cast Matt Damon to get people to see it. Yeah. Um, still sounds dumb, though. I'll watch it. <laughs> um, 
Yeah. Uh, Tron writes in. Let's see. Have we? I think we might have covered all these. Does anyone have any thoughts about the soundtrack? We haven't talked about that. I thought it was really good. There's a Fei Wong like vocal track that is like on the like Chinese soundtrack that isn't in the film or in the American soundtrack release, which is just weird. I went and listened to it. It's pretty good. Fei Wong's great. Sure. Good soundtrack. Yeah. yeah. Um. Ba, 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 ba. I think that's kind of everything. There's a question about how bad you feel for Moon. Um, look, bad. sometimes, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes your master just makes a choice and you have to live with the consequences. Yep. Did Let not... me tell you about a boy named Naruto. Well, Naruto, <laughs> Naruto didn't like um, have his. You know, no, the thing about Moon is that she, like, his, her her master dies, but clearly hasn't trained her enough to where she can hang with anyone. So she just gets yes. owned in every permutation. I mean, in, in the real permutation, she just kind of watches as everyone dies and is sad. Yes. Um, which is how it be sometimes. That's sometimes right. you're just not the hero, right? Amelia yep. um, writes in, At the time, a lot of people I knew were talking about how meaningful the colors in this movie were, or that they'd heard the colors had some kind of meaning. Um, no one had anything to say about what they were communicating. <laughs> they have been told that it was true. Have you ever had an experience with a piece of media where people you know or culture at large asserts, this is doing X without going into detail about what the hell X is or why it might be interesting? Um, I think the Wikipedia specifically says they didn't actually choose the colors for any particular reason, which is very funny to me. I know. It seems so fraught with meaning. Like, color is such a... And it's also just, like... I don't know what I'm trying to say. It's just, like, it has a meaning to someone. Like, you can p- pull your own interpretations in and what you think it means, but ultimately, so it doesn't really matter. I didn't mm-hmm. feel like the colors were that... Um confuse it like they were so on that like the one where everyone's tricked and murdering each other and sleeping with each other is red <laughs> yes <laughs> right. that part's like really obvious but like why blue why, why white? white why yeah. like oh, the you white know. is the like pure truth right yeah oh, I guess, the, yeah. the green um, baffled me but that's because I, I drifted off a little <laughs> <laughs> i mean the green is just like the nostalgia of broken sword like his idea of like the way things could have been mm. yes um the blue's the only one that's not as immediately obvious to me. Um, yes. But like the red one is like instant three seconds, got it, nailed it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um Six writes in specifically with a different question about weapons. If you had to pick a type of sword to be your weapon of choice, what sword are you gonna pick? I'm gonna go with the katana. It's a classic, it's tried and true, it looks good. Um, I, I guess just like a Western longsword, I guess a normal sword that I know how to use. Okay. I think I'd go for like a gladius because I think they're cool. Not actually the most useful sword. Um, Western longsword's crazy because that's like, you're just like swinging that as hard as you can because it's like an enormous weight more than it is like, you know, like a, if you're picking like a, like a fencing weapon, that's like fast but you're just like hauling a big you might as well have a like a hammer at that point it's cool don't get me wrong it's cool yeah i guess western long is just like really fucking heavy i just mean like a straight sword yeah yeah Um, no i know um it's weird because like as someone who's like read like uh watch too much youtube is actually what happened um there's like not a lot of historical record about how like the martial arts of europe 
are like they it all just disappeared like no one really knows there's a lot of people who want to try to reconstruct it because i mean um, it had to have existed right like we full yeah no it did, it right, did exist yeah. but no one everyone's everyone's writing fucking poems about like knights errant and no one wrote down how they actually did the combat so no one knows everyone just kind of guesses because that's why like chinese martial arts are so like today so important because like not just because of the like the fact that they existed right and were important but because China has the best fucking record taking in the world and like an unbroken yeah. empire like relatively I know it is broken in many ways but like yes. things were preserved in China from the older times in a way that is not true of many yeah. places in Europe yeah um Rick writes in here is a special place in my memory because the film me and my brother and dad went to see um about an hour in, there was a loud sound in the cinema from behind us, and then the film died. And then five minutes later, a manager came to the theater and told us the projector had experienced a major issue, and we were getting a free movie ticket. To this day, this is the only time this has happened to me when watching a film. Have you ever had something like this happen when watching a movie? When I saw Knocked Up, which <laughs> <laughs> weirdly was my second time seeing Knocked Up, because I saw it with one group of friends, and then another group of friends oh. talked me into going, not a good movie. But anyway, uh, five minutes in, the second time I saw Knocked Up, this happened. And then it ha- it's happened to me a few times, actually. Um, I can't remember the other movies, though. But it's happened to me at least three times. Um, sometimes you go to an art cinema to watch, like, an old movie. And you end up getting the, the fucking Blu-ray. It's happened to me. It happened to me many times. And this has happened to me in Destiny, actually. When we went to see... Uh, was it Passion of Joan of Arc? Joan of yes. Arc, I don't remember the actual title. Uh, they didn't turn the subtitles on <laughs> for like the first 10 minutes. And I was like, I I, I kind of know French well enough to like follow what's happening here. It's not a big deal. Um, but then they turned the subtitles on. It was very funny. They don't yeah. rewind the Blu-ray? No, they did not rewind. Nope. They just kept going. They just kept going. It was kind of amazing, actually. Did the Blu-ray menu pop up as they put subtitles on? Yes, yep. absolutely. Yep. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> oh, it's 100%. like I'm fucking watching, paying to watch a movie at school. Like, they didn't <laughs> yes. move the mouse down, so you see the Windows Media taskbar <laughs> the entire movie is basically what you're describing to me. Yep. Um, I have two, and for some reason, they're both fucking X-Men movies, but different ones. Okay. Um, uh, nothing technologically happened when I went to see X-Men The Last Stand uh, but I did see it after school on the last day of school and so did approximately every single fucking asshole who went to my school and they had to come in and be like Jesus Christ can you all shut the fuck up <laughs> <laughs> there are like 300 teenagers in this massive cinema and you're all basically fighting please watch X-Men <laughs> uh, and then um uh, when I saw uh, Days of Future Past in, God, where the hell was that? I think it was like Basingstoke somewhere. In a big, empty retail park. Very depressing place. I saw that with my dad. Um, and like th- three other people in the cinema. And there was just no sound. <laughs> and uh, I let this play for like the whole of the trailer. Because I, I was like, well, this is great. You're going to have to pay attention to the trailers while there's no sound. And then like as the movie started, I was like, okay, this is totally uh, fucked up. I'm going to go tell them there's no sound. At first, they were they were rude. They didn't believe me. I was like, "There's just no sound." I understand you're having a bad job, but can you turn the sound on in the movie, please? <laughs> That's great. I have had a movie like catch and like you know burn out before, but I don't remember what it was. Unfortunately, yeah, same. There's something I went to see at the shitty like one screen old theater that is now closed down that I loved. Yeah. Um, oh, I, I do remember another one in the. Oh, we were watching um it was i was at a fucking like all night marvel marathon because i was 2011 and that was a thing that i would have done then uh 
another person but halfway through um uh captain america the projector or whatever i don't know what version they had of the movie but it stopped working and then they switched to the blu-ray god uh that's it for questions that was a good time yeah so what are we watching next time jackson ah right yes that's me i did pick um we're watching three colors blue because i've never seen it and oh um, no <laughs> <laughs> i literally told jackson before you got in the call i'm like this is i love this movie it's fine dusty's gonna be distraught no i'm i've been thinking we have a poster for this movie in our bedroom yeah um and it's a movie that i have been thinking about a lot lately just like i need to revisit i need to revisit but it is literally one of the hardest watches for me but i i will do it for the podcast well that's why it's one of my favorite movies it's it's gonna be no no no. it's a beautiful film it's, it's beautiful just sad. it's, just it's sad. beautiful it's just am, fucking am i sad. gonna find it a hard watch because i find weird things hard watches i have no idea i think you'll be fine it's actually. just okay. sad it's just no there's nothing simple like there or excuse me there's nothing complex it's literally just this is a movie about like grieving and 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 as someone who's gone through grief, it's just a hard watch. Mm. That's all. Fair enough. Uh, well, yeah. No, I was like looking at my movies, and uh, uh, I was like, I, I, I don't know which one to pick. Um, I don't really know anything about these, I, other than they're you know a big deal. And I haven't seen them, and, and you're like, oh, you can watch Blue. In fact, if if you'd chosen the other ones, you'd have been slipping into movies you're not allowed to pick. I mean, you could. I just give you you'd shit. Want to go in order. You want you want to go in order, but also like if you pick like white, which is like specifically about weird like th- th- you know the politics of men and women in like post-Soviet Poland or whatever. I'm like, come on, what are we doing here? Yes, I didn't realize that part of the context. <laughs> I just thought these were like the beautiful sad movies from the 90s everyone liked. <laughs> they they are that. Don't get me wrong, they, they are that. They're beautiful. I'm really excited I- to watch this, uh, despite my uh, initial oh no. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying very hard to get a feel from uh, sad realist movies about the states. Um, yeah, you did. You did it. You did. So, this one is definitely not that. Nailed so it. It's sad. <laughs> I mean, that, that part, that would be true, definitely. Um, but yeah, very excited for this one. Okay. Um, with that, we're done. Plugs, uh, Destiny. At FridgeBuzzNow on the Twitter and most other places. And um, my other podcast, Battling Girls uh is at abnormalmapping.com slash battling girls uh we're gonna talk about midnight mass really soon because Rhea just finished it so i'm really hyped to talk about it <laughs> yeah sick jackson you can find me at headfuls off on twitter.com you can find the podcast that me and em do at abnormalmapping.com please listen to them you can find me on Twitter at em underscore being, where honestly, I mostly just tweet about movies I'm watching. Uh, but you can uh, get, support us if you'd like at patreon.com slash normal mapping. Uh, for $1, you get the Great Gundam Project. Right now, me and Jackson are watching Gundam Seed and Full Test 5. Um, it's been a time. For $5, you get Blockbusters, where once a month we break down a movie and talk about what it's got going on. Uh, typically, it's like a Hollywood film. We wa- we recently watched The Last Samurai, had a great episode, like I said at the top of this episode. Next month, we're watching Ready Player One. Excited to talk about that. It's going to be great. Um, for $10, you get VoIP Life, where we, every two weeks, hang out and just kind of goof off for an hour. Um, that's often about, like, games or movies, so there's a lot of movie content there if you enjoy, uh, if you want to support us a lot and enjoy VoIP. It's good. People like it. Yeah. So that's everything. We will be back in two weeks. 
Until then, movies. Now more than ever. Don't expect to like them.